And welcome to camp, everybody. It's, uh, it's been so fun to see the shirts out and about. I've seen them now at grad parties. I've seen them at dance recitals. I had a speaking thing at a school. I saw a couple of them there at school. Uh, it's been fun. I hear that they've been showing up at Target. Uh, there was one at the Mall of America. Uh, it's been fun to see the shirts. Uh, if you think of it, remember to pray before you put them on and just say, God, you know, if you want to start a conversation out of this shirt, I'm open to it. It's amazing how God, um, when you ask him to do things that he wants to do, it's, uh, it's amazing how that works. Well, um, before I was demoted, demoted to senior pastor, I used to be a youth director, and uh, I absolutely loved it. At the church where I served, uh, before coming here, we had something that we called our Night of Testimonies. And I loved the Night of Testimonies because 100 students would get up one after another, and they would share just briefly about their faith story. What had, where they were and where they were at, and it was an awesome night. Now, one of the things that was fun about Night of Testimonies is there was such a wide variety of ways in which God was at work in these teens. And, and there were so many things all over the place that God, uh, that God had done, hey, no worries, um, that God had done, uh, had, had done to work and, and reach, these, reach these teens. But there was a constant that came up over and over and over and over and over again, and that was summer camp. Summer camp got a whole lot of shouts on the night of testimonies from people who just said, boy, that's, that was a catalyst for me, the summer camp experience. Some of you might remember this quote. We put it on the screens last week. This is from one of our volunteers who was faithful. He came week after week. He said, there's camp, and then there's what? Waiting for camp. That was how he kind of divided up his, his life. Uh, there was camp and waiting for camp. Well, every summer, our church, we would rent out an entire camp, and we rented out the whole thing until we filled it up. Uh, we filled it up so much that we put students, I don't even know if this is legal, but we put them in the tubing chalet. We, we created what we call Tent City. We literally brought, bought three huge tents, and they were in the tents. Um, and and every, every cabin was maxed out. We even had people sleeping in lounges. It was awesome. Well, then we filled up, so we went to two weeks of camp. And so we rented out the, this entire camp for two weeks, and it was awesome. We had great games like Balloon Blitz and Biffer and Four Way Capture the Stuff. And we had great groups led by great leaders. And we had these great teams. And we had great free time options. And we had great crafts. And we had great snacks. But when we would survey these students who put summer camp as their highlight of their summer, when we, had, when we would survey these students at the end of camp and we said, what was your favorite part of camp? Time and time again, the number one response were the chapels. The chapels, when we would gather everyone together. At least once or twice a day, everybody at camp would hit pause on all of the fun things they were doing, either as individuals or as group. We would call a timeout, and everybody in the whole camp would come together. And we'd gather around scriptures, we'd gather around songs, and we'd gather around Holy Communion. We'd come together, everybody. And these camps, at least the way we did camp, these camp chapels were essential to a great camp. Essential. Here's just a couple things that, that would happen that we, we, we kind of, you know, stumbled into. We found that prayer, when you pray together, it can unite people. When you all are praying together and seeking God together, music can unite people. And that isn't true just at camps. Some of you couples may have your song, right? Schools, you've got your song, right? Hastings High School, you are the tops. I know my song, right? We have a ton of songs. Nations, we have our songs. Anyone go to Memorial Day services? You know, they play the Spar Spangled Banner, right? That's our song. That's our country's song. Generations will say, that's our music. That's a, 
Music can unite people. Common songs that we're singing together can unite people. Traditions can unite people. Those experiences that you know you will repeat again, they can reunite people. Here's a couple more. Great chapels are essential to a great camp. Shared experiences, things that you all experience together can, can unite people. Shared laughter and tears, those moments that you just can't predict ahead of time, can unite people. Two more. The, a great a chapel is like calling a team huddle in football. Get everybody together. Let's get on the same page. You can have that element to it. And a great camp chapel can serve as a gateway to all the other great stuff at camp. You can say, hey, did you know there's this and this and this and this and this? You should try it. And after chapel, you'd often see people making their plans. Are you, who's, what are you going to do? Are you going to do archery? Are you going to go horse back riding? Whatever. And they would, they would all uh, go off to these different things. Excuse me. Well, as camp leaders, we hadn't stumbled into something new. It wasn't as if we figured, oh, wait a minute, there's power when you get people together. We hadn't figured out something new. What we had discovered was the power that was at work in the book of Acts. We had already discovered that. The power that Jesus promised to pour out on his followers is still released through people who come together in Jesus' name. I want to take a quick look now at some of the biblical precedents here. So if you have your notes, why don't you pull out the green sheet, please? Um, and I just filled in your blanks here today because we're going to go pretty quick. So I want to do something at the end of this message for the, for the kids and the young at heart. It'll be fun. All right, so let's go through this. now. But I, I, but I want to make sure that, that, that we do cover this because this is huge. There is a biblical precedence for this idea of coming together. And let me kind of build the case here as we go through some scriptures. The first two precedents that I want to point out are this, that the Holy Spirit, number one, equips Christians to carry on Christ's work of seeking and saving the lost. And as an addendum to that, we have the yellow sheet from last week. So I'd encourage you to pull this one out too. I couldn't fit all the references on this green sheet. I put them on here. I went through the book of Acts and when I saw numbers and when I saw number words, I put down those references. And, and I would encourage you to take time. And, and I'm not just saying this to say this. I would encourage you to take the time sometime today Read through this and literally circle the numbers and literally circle the number words because I think it's an important exercise for us. It's an important exercise for us because people matter to God. And he wants to call people home. It matters to him. And so I'd encourage you to write this, to, to take a look at this. Look at the numbers there. It's, it's very, 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 very important. All right. Um, uh, the other one here, the next one, number two, churches are essential to God's strategy. And I put some references there for you to take a look at. Churches are essential to God's strategy. More than anything else, the purpose of this series that we're doing, this camp series, is not just to have flashbacks for those who had gone to camp. The purpose of this series is to remind us that we're going to do a better job of reaching out well if we reach out well together. I'll circle back at the, to that at the very end of the message. We're going to do a better job of reaching out well if we reach out well together. All right. Um, so uh, this, let's move on then to some more things, some biblical precedents. We're building again this case here. Biblical precedents for weekend services. Number three, Acts churches provided external multi-voiced accountability for individuals, meaning external, meaning there wasn't just the internal conscience that God has put in our lives. You had an external source of accountability for individuals. And number four, Acts churches embraced external, multi-voiced accountability for their congregations. Number five, sound doctrine 
was central to the life of the early church. All right, here's where I'm going with this, and here's why I have these grouped together. With a show of hands, how many of you know that bad things usually happen even to good people when there's no accountability? Right? This is a fallen world we live in. And even good people, when there's no accountability, even with good people with good intentions, bad things usually happen if there's no accountability. Well, you look at the book of Acts, and one of the reasons God had us getting together is to minimize that bad stuff happening. Because there was supposed to be multi-voice accountability speaking into us. As individuals, to be a part of a church where you have others speaking into you individually to say, you know what, maybe God didn't tell you to do that thing that you think God told you to do. Or maybe your interpretation, which is the only one of its kind, isn't the one that is the, the, the right one. You don't have to, uh, to multi-voice speaking into your life. And then God also, you'll see this in the book of Acts, and I put these references down there for you to look up. It, it, God also had some checks and balances for groups of people. So if groups of people started to go off the wrong way, there was external multi-voice witness to speak into those groups to say, whoa, you guys, sure where you're going. So I think that was important. And the reason I lumped number five with three and four is this accountability wasn't just for matters of integrity. It was also for doctrine. Sound doctrine matters, and that's part of the accountability here. Um, as individuals, one of the things we try to do is equip you with the verses. When we, when we list verses here and we talk about the scriptures, we try to write down the references as much as we can so you can look them up. Because you should fact check us on all of this and make sure we're not taking things out of context or reading it the wrong way. I mean, look how many people in this room. If you get this many people looking at those verses, it's going to be really easy for people to go, wait a minute, you are taking that way out of context. And again, as I mentioned earlier, one of the reasons that we're a part of a denomination with real authority is so that they can hold us accountable. If we start kind of twisting things and a, and a group of us starts to go off in some kind of weird direction, we've got real accountability from the outside that can say, time out, time out. All right. Well, let me give you one more here. One more. Biblical precedents for weekend services. Now let's specifically talk about the weekend. I've kind of been building towards this. The early church movement was aligned with a God-honoring seven-day cultural rhythm. And I put a couple references in there for you. Most of those references have to do with what's called the Sabbath. The early church sprung out of Judaism. And for Judaism, there was a seven-day rhythm that God had established. Every seven days, you had what was called the Sabbath. It was a day of rest. And so you'd work for six, and then you would rest. And it was a command that God gave his people. Now, that Acts 20, verse 7 reference, that might be the first reference we have in the scriptures to Christians starting to come together on what's called the Lord's Day or Sunday. And the reason they started to gather on Sunday was because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. And so Acts 27 may have been the first reference to, you start to see the Christians gathering on what they called the first day of the week, which was Sunday. Now, before we move on, I want to I take a quick look at uh, one of these references that's in your notes. It has to deal with this Sabbath. And I want to show you this um, because I think there's some great lessons to be learned here. So if you have your Bibles, let's open up quickly to Acts chapter 13, verses 14 through 44. Acts chapter 13, verses 14 through 44. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one free today. We always try to keep a stack of them at a table right here in the front. 
And also in the back, they're there for you. Please take one. You don't have to check with anybody or talk to anybody. They're there for you. We'd love it for you to take one home. All right, here's what it says. I'm going to pick up partway through verse 14. On the Sabbath day, Paul and his companions went into the synagogue and they sat down. After reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. And Paul stands up and goes, yeah, I got, I got a couple things I'd like to say. Paul, who spoke so long once, he put some guy to sleep who fell out of a window. Um, yeah. yeah, I got a couple words. I'll share. Sure. Open mic. I'm, I'm up. So he stands up, and then there's this long, in there you can read, there's this long, uh, very uh, wonderfully worded um, uh, message that Paul gives where he takes the Old Testament, they just read from the Law and the Prophets, and he links that to Jesus. And he starts telling these people about Jesus of Nazareth and how he was the fulfillment of those scriptures. Now let's jump up. We'll pick ahead with the account here. Uh, pick up with the account in verse 42. So this, this, this synagogue, gets they get all done meeting, and then they went out after Paul's gospel presentation and the people begged that these things might be told to them when? Next Sabbath. So there was an anticipation that they'd be coming back again seven days later. So he told them about the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke to them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Now, I want to be careful here because I don't want to turn what could be a descriptive, descriptive passage into a prescriptive passage. Just because you see something written in the scripture doesn't mean everything you see is exactly the model we're supposed to follow, okay? There's my disclaimer. We're good so far? All right. So with that disclaimer, though, I think there's some lessons to be learned here in this little passage. And, and in verse 14 we see that the believers were gathering for a special service every seven days. I think that would be a really good thing for people to continue. At least once every seven days as part of your rhythm to come together. Verse 15, we see that the scriptures were central to their service. Heaven forbid that we would ever get together and we wouldn't open the word of God together. You know, heaven forbid. In verses 16 through 40, we see Paul shares the good news about Jesus. When they came together, every chance he got, whenever they gave him open mic, Paul was saying he wanted to talk about Jesus. In verse 42, we see that they were planning to be there next Saturday, and there was an anticipation. We want to hear more. But in verse 43, we see that they didn't just wait. They also kept the conversation going. In other conversations, in smaller groups, they didn't only wait until it was the big event. They also, throughout the week, were talking about these things. And evidently, verse 44 indicates they must have invited folks, family, friends, and neighbors. And we see that God used those things. God used those behaviors in a powerful way. I think God could still use those behaviors today. Three of us think God could still use those today. Well, for those that aren't convinced, think about this for just a minute. What if every believer made their weekend worship service a priority? And they, there was just an anticipation, of course I'm going to be in worship. It's part of my seven-day 
rhythm of my week. And what if we open our scriptures together? And I love it when I see people turning on their Bibles and opening them up because you can then look and see the context, all the stuff that goes on the cutting room floor every Sunday. You can kind of see, oh, this is where it fits and this is how it goes. And wait a minute, you left out some really important stuff, right? Okay, so, so there's that. And, and what if, in addition to that, we made sure each and every Sunday we mentioned the name of Jesus of Nazareth, who the entire Old Testament built up to, and who one day is coming back. What if we did that? And what if we kept conversations going throughout the week with each other? What if it wasn't just a Sunday thing? But what if in our homes? What if among our friends? What if among our family members? What if among neighbors? What if in small groups? What if we kept conversations going throughout the week? And what if we invited people who mattered to us and maybe others that should matter to us? What if we invited them to join us? As was the case with camp chapels, as was the case with the first century synagogues, this service that we do has so much potential. We've just begun to scratch the surface. This gathering that we have has so much potential. There are unique dynamics that come into play when individuals and groups hit pause on doing their own thing and come together around a shared experience. Is it really important to do your own thing? Yes. Is it really important to get together in smaller groups? Yes. Is it also important to hit pause on all of our individual stuff? Let me give you a couple, just a couple pragmatic benefits of strong weekend services. Number one, and this should be number one, weekend services align our actions with biblical precedent. You, you want it that way. The further you drift from biblical precedents, the more you better have really good reasons for drifting from biblical precedent. Number two, weekend services often mirror congregational vitality. It is very, very rare to find a strong church that has a weak weekend service. Isn't that true? Number three, weekend services unite Christians around shared music and shared messages and shared vision casting and other experiences. And we've already gone there. We've already talked about that. It's so important to have those shared things that we all shared together. Number four, Weekend services can also serve as a vital gateway into deeper relationships and customized opportunities. If you were here at the start of the service, you saw there's a great Boundary Waters trip coming on. There's an opportunity to run for clean water. If you go right out those doors, there's, a, there's tables set up. They have all kinds of opportunities. We got a whole brochure filled of small group stuff in your bulletins. We got just the tip of the iceberg of some of these great opportunities that are out there. So the chapel can also be this time where you can come, you can hear about these things, and, oh, let me try this. Let me try this. Hey, would you try this with me? It can also be that. And number five, weekend services can serve as a powerful witness to our community, especially when your church happens to meet in a community center. One of the unique things about our church, we don't meet on a private piece of property that might intimidate some people to go into. And about eight years ago, before we started this church, I heard a phrase that only recently I'm understanding what it meant. Before we even launched our church, and, and we knew that we were going to be starting something, 
I heard this phrase in my head, temple courts, temple courts. Some of you um, heard me talk about it, and, and, and then it fell off my radar because I didn't really know what it meant. Well, Ash Wednesday this year, some of you were there um, in February. I'm, we're setting up for our Ash Wednesday service right in the community room, and all these people are walking by because it's just a normal Wednesday for them. And especially when the worship band started to play, all these heads are poking in. It's these people, it's our worship band is singing these beautiful songs about Christ and what he did. And Rick was there. And some of you remember my aha moment. I just like forgot about my, my notes because I'm like, temple courts, this is it. The, the, the temple courts were the community center of Jerusalem. God has entrusted us in the community center of this community. Wow. So I'd encourage you to write this in your notes. Imagine what could happen, and more important than writing it down, think about it. Imagine what could happen if every one of us approached every Sunday as an opportunity to witness to this community. What, what if we, we, we did whatever it takes, whether we remind ourselves or write it down or something, this is not just an opportunity to come and, and to be with one another and to open our scriptures together and all those good things. This is an opportunity for today. We're probably going to have about 400 people here. 400 people could be providing a positive witness right here in the community center every Sunday. Wow. Wow. What might God do if we really took that serious? Last week, we gave you four essentials to a great camp. There are great expectations, great chapels, great community, and great teamwork. What if every week, we talked last week about great expectations, what if every week we prayed with the kind of sacrificial passion and the, the spirit-filled boldness that the early church prayed with? God, this is not about us. This is about you. Would you come and have your way? And we're here where your servants will do what you ask. What if we did that more than we do? We prayed like that. And then the chapels, that's what we've been talking about today. What if our Sunday services weren't just something that we did? We really tried to make the most out of them. And then those last two things are what we're going to talk about next week and the week after. Next week, we're going to talk about community and the importance that that plays, doing community well. And then in, in week four, our final week of this series, we're going to talk about great teamwork. Oh, the book of Acts has so many examples about so many different issues. I'm really excited to dive into that one. But here's the thing. The kids won't be with us next week. The kids won't be with us a week after that because you'll be back to doing your thing. So I thought what we should do as we close today's service is have some fun and give you a short lesson on community and teamwork. And the way I want to do it is I want to do it with a spontaneous melodrama. Some of you who used to go to our camp chapels, you know spontaneous melodramas. For the rest of you, let me just fill you in on what they are, and then we're going to do it. We're going to do a spontaneous melodrama that will help explain the importance of community and teamwork. A spontaneous melodrama is spontaneous, meaning we'll be getting a few volunteers in a minute or two, and most of these volunteers will have never heard this script before. And so you're going to hear your part for the first time, and you'll be acting it out. All right? So that's the spontaneous part. Melodrama means it's melodramatic, meaning it's over the top. So we used to tell our teenagers, this is not the time to, to put your hand up. Yeah, pick me. And then get up front. Sup? 
I'm too cool to do that thing that you just asked me to do, so I'm just going to sup. No, no, no. If you're going to sup, sup where you're sitting. But this is for the people that are going to be like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. You know, I'll, 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 I'm in, okay? So there's the background of spontaneous melodramas. To, here's the one we're going to do today. We are going to do a brand new, never created before, spontaneous melodrama called Avengers 3, The Universal Remote. Now, a couple of our, our players have already been um, picked, so I need the nefarious Dr. Selfie to go to the back and to get your costume on, and Black Widow, get your costume on, and Batman, why don't you head on to the back? Hello! How are you today? Are you just excited? You want to sit right there so you can watch the skit? You want to do that? Okay, stand right, sit right there. It's going to be awesome. All right. And Captain America, why don't you head on to that? That's fine if you want to get a better seat. This is gonna, you're not going to want to miss this. Okay. <laughs> now, see? Great expectations. I'm telling you. Great expectations. Okay. So now we need, hi, how are you? Is, there's a chair right there. We've got, so you can see the awesome skit. All right. Shared experiences bring us together. All right. I need someone to be Thor. Is there someone to be willing to be Thor? All right. Why don't you head on back, Aaliyah? So head right back there to the costume department. Head back there. Miss Laura will help you out. Okay, so that's Thor. We also need Iron Man. We need Iron Man. Are you kidding me? Come on. We need Iron Man. All right. Cam, thanks for bailing me out. Cam, you're Iron... I'm sorry. Just so you, ahead of time, Cam, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right? It'll make more sense in a little bit. <laughs> okay, I wanted to say I'm sorry. This one's an easy one. Hawkeye. Who wants to be Hawkeye? All right, thanks, Reed. You can head on back there. Hawkeye. All right, the last one I have here is Hulk, the Incredible Hulk. All right, Incredible Hulk. Where, where am I? I've seen people point. Um. Oh, Kurt. All right, we got a pro. All right. Okay, now, everybody else, everybody else, you do have a part. You do have a part. You're the angels, okay? So be listening for the angels at the very end of the skit, and then that is your part. All right, well, I'm going to move out of the center stage here, and let me pull out my script. Let's give this thing a shot. All right. <clears throat> the Avengers 3, Universal Remote. We, you know if they're ready in the back, we got costumes. You want to see if at least our first character is ready to go? Is our first character ready? Oh, we're ready. Here we go. Today's melodrama begins in dramatic fashion with the nefarious Dr. Selfie making a dramatic entrance. Dr. Selfie declared, I am the nefarious Dr. Selfie. I am the nefarious Dr. Selfie. The most powerful villain. The most powerful villain. In both the DC and Marvel universe. In both the DC and Marvel universe. For with this single device, this single device I can defeat any single superhero. Single 
And with that, Dr. Selfie let out a maniacal laugh. <laughs> well, right on cue, Batman's theme music began to play. And in rode the Dark Knight in his bat tumbler. Batman got out of his tumbler, faced the nefarious Dr. Selfie, and said, You can update your status to Arkham Asylum. Ask me why. Before Dr. Selfie could reply, Batman answered his own question, Because I'm Batman. <laughs> the nefarious Dr. Selfie chuckled nefariously <laughs> and said, Surrender now, Batman. With this device, I can stop any single superhero. Batman replied, the only surrendering that's gonna happen today is me surrendering you to Commissioner Gordon. And you know why? Cause I'm Batman. <laughs> As Batman reached for his Batarang, Dr. Selfie brought up his Batman app. The app caused Batman's grappling hook to go off knocking Batman to the ground and tying him up in his own bat grappling line. Oh, when all appeared lost, the Avengers theme music began to play. And in flew the Avengers in their Quinjets, piloted by Black Widow. Jet, the mighty Thor, the mighty Thor jumped out. Still tied up, Batman managed to struggle to his feet and said, Back off, Lancelot. Selfie's mine. Batman took two hops towards Dr. Selfie and fell back to the ground. <laughs> Dr. Selfie aimed his device at the mighty Thor and said, Doth thou mother knoweth? Thou weareth her drapes? Iron Man emerged from the Quinjet and said, hey, that's my quip. Pro Professor Snapchat. Professor Snapchat. That's my line. Professor Snapchat. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Thor. Thor took one look at the small device in Selfie's hand and said, doth thou threaten? <laughs> Thor said, doth thou threaten? The mighty Thor was such a puny weapon. I am the son of Odin. I am the defender of Asgard. I am the guardian of this planet Earth. Well, before Thor could finish telling Dr. Selfie how great he was, Selfie brought up his Thor app. And a portal opened. And Thor was portalized back to Asgard, which is back by the sound booth. <laughs> As Thor was being transported away, Dr. Selfie took a selfie and said, I am so tweeting this. Too, too bad I don't have any followers. The rest of the Avengers now emerged from the Quinjet. The Avengers assembled and struck a dramatic action pose. <laughs> that is dramatic. Hawkeye asked, how long are we going to do this, Cap? 
Captain America replied, until we reach maximum coolness. <laughs> maximum coolness was quickly reached, and the Iron Man spoke up. Back off, guys. I got this. To which Black Widow replied, guys? Captain America assessed the situation and said, Avengers, remember what we learned in Avengers 1 and 2. We've got to work as a team. Iron Man took two steps towards Dr. Selfie and said, there is no team in Iron Man, but there is an I, and I am about to privatize world peace. <laughs> Stand down, Inspector Instagram. Iron Man aimed his repulsors at Dr. Selfie, but even Iron Man's tech was no match for Selfie's nefarious apps. Dr. Selfie brought up his Iron Man app, which made Iron Man do the robot dance for 10 seconds. Yeah! When the dance ended, Iron Man was frozen. Iron Man called out, Jarvis, reboot my systems. Only to hear Jarvis reply, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, sir. But Dr. Selfie is denying us access. But Dr. Selfie is denying us access. Dr. Selfie turned to the remaining Avengers and said, it's over, Avengers. I have an app that can defeat every single one of you. Captain America said, we're counting on that selfie. And then he said, Avengers, assemble. And the Avengers formed a huddle around Captain America. Dr. Selfie began bringing up all of his individual apps. But before he could finish, the Avengers broke their huddle. Hawkeye Cap whispered. <laughs> Distraction. And Hawkeye distracted Dr. Selfie by shooting arrows in random directions. <laughs> Natasha, whispered Cap, the device. And Black Widow did several dramatic flips on her way to grabbing the device <laughs> from the still distracted <laughs> Selfie's hand. Hulk, said Captain America, you know what to do. Hulk yelled out, Hulk smash. Black Widow flipped her way over to Hulk and handed Hulk the device. Hulk smashed the device to pieces while making loud grunting noises. <laughs> With the device disabled, Batman was finally able to untangle himself from his grappling line. Batman stood to his feet and said, first try. I knew I could defeat you, Selfie, because Anyone? Anyone? No one answered. The only sound was the sound of crickets chirping. The correct answer is, because he's Batman, said Batman, as he hopped into his tumbler and sped off. Now, on his way back to Gotham, Batman passed Thor. Batman passed Thor, who was coming back from being portalized and was taking the Bifrost back to his team. Thor went and joined his teammates. Iron Man 2 was able to regain control of his suit and stood alongside his friends. The entire Avengers team was assembled again 
and they struck their dramatic action pose one final time. <laughs> Dr. Selfie had never seen such a display of community and teamwork in his entire life. And he was ready to leave his self-centered, individualistic ways behind him. So Selfie cried out in a loud voice, I get it now. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And, and he turned to Hulk and he asked, where can I go to learn the ways of community and teamwork? To which Hulk replied, <laughs> So Selfie turned to Black Widow and asked, where can I go to learn the ways of community and teamwork? Black Widow did a few more completely unnecessary flips <laughs> and said, we're on our way to Camp ECC. Come with us. Iron Man added, Iron Man added, we'll even treat you, we'll even treat you to some shawarma after the service. Rupaug cried Hawkeye. Rupaug said Hawkeye. And the Avengers assembled around the no longer nefarious doctor once known as Selfie. Well, the Avengers theme music began to play as they all climbed aboard their Quinjet and took off to the Shoreview Community Center. And as they flew off towards the red blinking glow of the Shoreview Towers, the congregation remembered, we're the angels. And the angels cheered wildly as one who was lost found his way home. Great job, everybody. Well, if you haven't already, take out your notes one final time and write this down, please. We will do a better job of reaching out well if we reach out well together. And that's what we want to talk about for the next two weeks. We're going to talk about community. Acts does a beautiful job of describing a group of people who weren't just acting as individuals, but who were willing to try to come together under the banner of Jesus Christ and try to figure out life together. And we're going to talk about teamwork. We're going to see that they faced all kinds of challenges, just like any growing movement does. And we're going to look at how they faced those together. So that's where we're going for the next two weeks. Well, before we go our separate ways uh, today, um, I'd like to do three things quickly. The first is to remind you that after the service, we would love to pray with you. If you could use individual prayer, which we all could use. There's a group of people each and every week. They'll meet back there with the uh, that says prayer, and they'd love to pray with you about anything that you would use prayer for. The second thing I'd like to do before we go, and I want to do a better job of this, um, is to present our offerings. Now, I know most people do online giving, um, but, but, but what I'd like us to do, it just seems... That we're, it seems like I've been omitting something that's really important to our service. And that is to just take a minute or two to formally say, God, we know that everything comes from you. And one, at least once every seven days to do this, we just come together and say, God, everything comes from you. And so now we present back to you what you've first given us. So we're going to include that as part of our service as best we can most weeks going forward. So would you please stand? Let's do that right now. I have, um, I have a prayer that I'd like us to pray together. Um, 
it, you might not be able to see it, but we'll try to do this one consistent enough where you can learn it. If you are able to see this prayer and you are a member of this church, would you please, or a, a follower of Jesus Christ, would you please pray this prayer with me? We give you thanks, O Lord our God. All we have comes from you. We offer back to you what you have first given us, our time, our talents, and our treasures. With these gifts, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Last thing I'd like to do is to leave you with a blessing. We used to do this in the service. I'm sorry that I have not been doing a good job of that lately. And this is a blessing that goes all the way back to the time of Moses. Please receive this blessing. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Have a great, great, great week. We'll see you uh, soon.